you. Um, but I started right away when my company was very, very young and I started with some local influencers and I started with some influencers who weren't local. I just kind of um, blanketed the market, maybe <laughs> I should say. I just started messaging a bunch of different people and really focusing on who is going to be the best fit for me and am I going to be a good fit for their brand because they're a brand as well, right? Hey there, crafter with a full-time job. If you're looking for a way to make extra income, extra 10K in your sleep from SVG Cut Files in the next 12 months, I'm Jeff and I am here to help you. Sign up for my free masterclass below and get my secrets for building a successful six-figure SVG business. So you can quit your job, you can cut down your hours to spend more time with your kids. Jav here from Cut and Make Crafts, the founder of SVG Superstar Coaching Program, and I teach crafters with full-time jobs, how to make passive income from SVG Cut Files. And today in the studio, I'll be inviting Tasha Settler. She is a goldsmith and she's gonna share her secrets for influencer marketing and how she used influencer marketing to skyrocket her business income. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I am a goldsmith based out of Canada. So my background is in jewelry of all kinds. To make a very long story short, I started working in a jewelry store when I was 15. Fast forward many years, I worked there off and on. And then I wound up going to goldsmithing school in the States for a couple of years. Then I wound up coming back to Canada and working in a really busy studio for about 10 years there doing all kinds of repair work, custom design work, you name it, we did it. And then a few years ago, I started my own company called Rhythm Jewelry that creates jewelry inspired for dancers. Cool, cool, that is awesome. So you have like 20 plus years of experience in selling jewelry. So you've always been into this, in this industry. And did you start off like as a hobby? or were you just passionate about this as a career? Yeah, I mean, I always tell people that jewelry kind of found me. Uh, I started working there in high school because the, the guy who owned the jewelry store knew my mom and they kind of, you know, worked their magic to get me a job there. And then I just kind of fell in love with it. And I've always been, my mother's an artist, so I was always surrounded by a lot of creativity. But as you know, sometimes doing the arts or something creative for a living can be a little tricky uh, to pay the bills with. <laughs> so jewelry making and goldsmithing is a really great blend of both of those. So there's the artistic creative side, but then there's also a really strong um, repair side, uh, which is kind of like the meat and potatoes of what I do. So that kind of pays the bills and is always very steady depending on when everything else is fluctuating right cool cool so right now are you running your business as well as working as a goldsmith in other stores no i do everything from my own studio so i mostly do private work now i have a few stores that send some things to me um, and most of my customers are regular clientele off the street so i have 
I still, because I've built up enough of a clientele, I still do engagement rings and repair work of all, of all kinds. Um, and then the rest, the dance inspired pieces, which is where I'm really starting to focus now. Most of that is online. And then I do some trade shows here and there. Cool. Cool. That's pretty interesting. So I would love to know your entire, uh, everything about your rhythm jewelry business. But before we dive in, so let's discuss, how, when did you start your business? The dance inspired pieces? Yep. I know it's very random because I'm not a dancer. So <laughs> my friends were like, Tasha, what are you doing? Um, but, but basically what wound up happening is I was doing all different kinds of jewelry. And then I have friends who are dance professionals. I have a friend who's taught ballet for a very long time. Um, and they just kept asking me to do a line of jewelry that was inspired for dancers. And at first I was like, I don't even know what that looks like. I'm not a ballerina. I have no training in that area. Um, but they just kept asking. So I started doing a little bit more market research into it and they were right. There is really nothing available for that market. And it's a huge, it's a huge niche market. Um, I'm also part of my training when you're making jewelry, you can do a lot of it by hand and the new school way of doing things is doing it on the CAD. So you design it on the computer first and I'm trained in both. And um, the CAD is great when you're doing logo work or lettering. So I have an extensive background in corporate jewelry, which would be jewelry for, for businesses, right? So years of service or they graduate from university and get a pin. Um, and most of the dance studios were doing uh, merchandise already with their logo on it. So we offer them a piece of jewelry to design as well. Um, and Rhythm just started the, the dance pieces I just started four years ago. So oh. it's, it's pretty fresh. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Awesome. So I would love to know in four years, how much have you grown? Quite a bit. Well, I mean, COVID, we were really going up and then COVID hit, as I'm sure most of your followers and you too, it kind of threw everyone for a loop. Mm -hmm. um, but we've really been hitting a good trajectory, especially now that everything has kind of slowly starting to come back to quote unquote normal a little bit. We all had to pivot a bit. Um, so when I first started, I was unknown in the dance world. I didn't really know anybody in the dance community. I just had to really focus on creating relationships and collaborating with people. And since then, um, we've done custom work for over 50 studios. I've had some of my pieces worn by very high profile dancers. Um, I'm very fortunate that I get to sponsor some of the really big dance um, shows and productions that are going on. So I feel really really embraced by the community that I'm that I'm now a part of. Awesome. That is that is so inspiring because a lot of people who start their handmade businesses, they stu stay stuck in the beginning phase for unlimited amount of times, unlimited number of months. But it's so inspiring to hear that you started something and you made it through pandemic and now you are growing so much more like you have influencers uh, wearing your pieces and you're working with 50 plus companies so i would love to know like the entire process like how did you make it this far in just four years well i really um 
I really try to focus on a few main principles um, without boring without boring you on what they are. Um, one of the biggest ones for me is value, approaching every relationship with value. Not what you can give me, but what I can give you. And I think as women in particular, I'm sure a, a large portion of your following is women. I think we really have a tendency to undervalue ourselves and not have confidence in what we're doing. I think that's just kind of the nature of, of how we are. So I think really understanding that you have value and that what you are doing is creating value for someone else. Um, in jewelry, for example, I struggled for a long time because I felt, you know, they always say, oh, what problem, what problem are you solving? And it's like, well, jewelry is not Jewelry is not a necessity. I'm not making refrigerators that are that have like an actual purpose. Jewelry is really it's just a luxury item, right? Yeah. But I learned I learned many many years ago that jewelry isn't about jewelry. Jewelry is a jewelry is the story or the memory or the emotions and the moments that go with it. Whenever I meet people and they tell me what they're what, what I tell them what my job is, they always pull out their jewelry and they never say the specs of their ring they never say oh this is a two carat 14 carat white gold <laughs> they they always say my husband bought this for me on our anniversary or we 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 bought this on a trip when we were some it's always tied up with an emotion so mm -hmm. once you can really tap into that and how you can provide value to others by helping them tap into that that's when i really started to see a trajectory in the business and then um so i try to provide value with every relationship even if i don't think i'm going to get anything back i just do it anyways because you never know if you put it out there it's going to come back eventually and then i think it's also easier when you're trying to sell yourself you don't if you're coming at it from a place of what can i give you versus what are you giving me you don't feel like a pushy salesperson right mm -hmm. And then the other thing I really firmly believe in is collaborating and networking and doing, talking to as many people as I can, learning as much as I can from other people, approaching other businesses. How can I help you? How can we help each other? And that's what's really helped, particularly in a community that I didn't, I didn't know hardly anyone in the community that I'm now trying to market to, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. I love that. The fact that you shared that what problem is your business solving once you figure that out it's it becomes 10 times easier to grow your business to understand your customers and provide them with what they need and this is the first question that people need to ask themselves like uh not not exactly what problem they're solving but what kind of value is attached to their product because a lot of people who are watching right now a lot of people in my audience are like they create gifts customized t-shirts and customized tumblers so for them it's going to be very helpful to understand this perspective about the business because a couple of days ago i had someone uh, contact me and she was like oh i'm really struggling to stand out in the crowd there's so much competition and i'm like okay so what what problem is your business solving who are your uh ideal clients so who are you trying to serve and she got super offended for some reason she's like oh, what? Really? what do you mean the i've never heard such a thing and it just went off in the wrong direction some for some reason but it, it's good that we brought this point up to uh 
to really hammer the fact that it is so important in a business to understand who your ideal clients are and how you are serving them. So yeah. uh, I would love to talk about uh, influencer marketing. And you said that it really helped you in uh, uh, taking your business to the next level. So when did you actually start? Uh, if you look at the timeline of your business, when did you start influencer marketing? What is, was it in the first year, the first couple of months? I would love to do it. Was, it was probably the first few months. Yeah. And I think, a, I think a lot of people get really caught up in that. I have to have a million Instagram followers. I have to have, you know, this big, beautiful Instagram page for anybody to pay attention to me. And that's not necessarily the case. Absolutely. You have to look professional and you have to have some type of presence to get people to want to talk to you and collaborate with you. Um, but I started right away when my company was very, very young and I started with some local influencers and I started with some influencers who weren't local. I just kind of um, blanketed the market, maybe <laughs> I should say. I just started messaging a bunch of different people and really focusing on who is going to be the best fit for me and am I going to be a good fit for their brand because they're a brand as well, right? Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. So can you share five tips for working with influencers? Yeah, so I think one of the first things that would be really important to focus on is uh, really vetting the influencer that you want to use. So just because they have a bajillion followers doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be right for your brand. Um, and if so, if you're selling pillows that have a really natural vibe to them, and then you're looking at someone that's super high fashion or someone that's super outdoorsy, that might not be a really great fit for you. Um, and sometimes when they have a ton of followers, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into sales. I think that um, we have a tendency to focus on the numbers and the amount of followers versus the quality of what you have. Um, so that would be my number one is really vetting the influencer and making sure that you're going to be a right fit for each other. When you do find someone who wants to work with you, um, be very clear about what your expectations are for them and what their expectations are for you. Always get some type of paperwork signed and that way it's black and white and very clear on what everybody is expecting to do for the other person. Mm -hmm. um, I recently did a very large collaboration in November, uh, which got me a lot of attention and everybody thinks that I had some sort of in with them, which I didn't, I email people. So I would say the, the biggest, most important takeaway is when you're approaching them, approach them from that point of giving value, not what you want from them, but what you can offer them and be very clear and precise and to the point. If your email is really long, they're not going to read it. I don't want to read it. I get tons of emails a day and if they're really long and wordy, you read like the first two, three sentences and then you delete it and you move on to the next one, right? Yep. So make sure that when you're sending out your messaging to them, that you're very clear and concise on what you're saying and take out a lot of the extra words that you don't need. You don't even need to get all your information out in the first email. If they're interested, they'll get a hold of you and then you can negotiate back with them, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then I would say once you have the influencer, you want to work really hard with collaborating with them and making sure that it isn't just all about you. It's a collaboration for a reason. So each person that I work with brings something different to the table, but they also have a different business going on themselves or a different set of, of scheduling that they have going on. So what works for one influencer might not work for the next influencer or I've designed collections with other people which is a great way to structure things as well too and you have to approach that relationship from a viewpoint of collaboration and not a viewpoint of these are all of my ideas you need to go with go with what I'm saying you have to kind of try to find a way to reach a happy medium was that five did I give you five <laughs> four <laughs> that was four um, and then I always find a really great, a really great tip that a lot of people don't follow is they tend to go for the really big influencers right away that they have to pay for. And I have honestly found a lot of um, traction with micro influencers or people who aren't even necessarily influencers. Uh, they're just people that are well respected in the community or the market that I'm selling to. Mm -hmm. um, so when people that are potential customers for me see them wearing my pieces or see them talking about my pieces, they automatically become an influencer even when they don't necessarily market themselves as influencers. Does that make sense? Yep. yep yeah. Makes sense. So uh, uh, let's talk about the monetary compensation. So do you always pay your influencers or do you work uh, just based on gifts and stuff like that? I've done a little bit of both. Um, so what I feel each business is going to be different. Um, what I feel works best for my business um, is I find I get a lot more attention if I give products away because then they're going to wear it more than once, most likely. And then you get a little bit more of an evergreen effect versus paying them per one post. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes I find if you're just paying them for one post, they're not as they're not as interested in the product. They're maybe just doing it for the monetary value. Whereas I try really hard to find people who also really love my product. Um, so in that sense, I usually tend to do a lot of um, giving pieces away or giving multiple pieces away. Um, I have designed a few collaboration collections with influencers, in which case there's a monetary value. So each business is going to be different. How I've structured mine is um, so in November, I launched a collaboration with Nappy Tabs in the dance community, which is who I'm marketing to. They're very well known and need very little introduction, depending on the genre of dance that you're in. Um, for most people who aren't involved in the dance community, they may not know their names, but they definitely know their work. So they started off as choreographers on So You Think You Can Dance and then have moved into creative directing. So they put together a lot of the Vegas residency shows. Um, they're a married couple, so Tabitha works a lot with Jennifer Lopez. They put together her halftime show, which most people saw her Super Bowl halftime show, so that was them who put the whole production together. They do a lot of movie work, so they're quite well established in the community that I'm marketing to. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, and they're wonderful people. Um, so we designed a collection together, and in that case, because they're designing it with me and they're bringing ideas to the table and we're creating together, then I would give them a percentage of sales. Mm -hmm. And then we have, um, are very clear on 
you know, what their role is and what my role is and who's marketing what and, and that type of thing. So you can structure it different ways depending on what's working for your business. I know a lot of people here, influencers, and if you're just starting in your business, you don't have a lot of cash. You got to be scrappy. <laughs> and so for me, that's how I was too. I was like, what is going to give me more bang for my buck? if I pay for social media marketing or do I give some pieces away to influencers? What's going to get more eyes on my, my product, right? Cool. Cool. I love that. And how many, uh, do you work with, do you have like a long-term relationship? Do you like send them uh, your pieces monthly to share or is it like a one-time thing? Yeah. So depending on what it is, I have some, influencers where I send them pieces and they do a few reels and then they're they're on their merry way and I'm on my merry way um, when we're doing a full-on collaboration we usually have a timeline set um, I will tell you that the collaboration is a really wonderful idea if that's something you're thinking about and whatever genre you're in I know I'm jewelry but apply it to pillows or t-shirts or cups because when you're collaborating with someone they're really proud of what they've done because they've, they've created it. Right. So for example, with nappy tabs, um, she worked with me to create this line of jewelry that she absolutely loves. So she wears it all the time, even when she doesn't have to, when she's not being you know paid or whatever, she's just wearing their pieces all the time because she loves them. So they'll be on their Instagram stories and she's, um, she did the Grammys this year. She produced the Grammys this year and she's wearing her pieces backstage while she's working or she gifted some of the jewelry to Jennifer Lopez for Christmas because wow. she loves them and she's proud of them and she created them. So when you can get them involved in the process versus just paying them for a post, you're probably going to get more value that way is my, my personal opinion. Cool. Cool. I love that. That is so amazing. And it just comes naturally without being super salesy oh uh, this is something i designed buy this buy this buy this. It, it it just it's it just some natural it's just a natural flow and customers are interested they like what they're seeing and you just magically start getting sales out of that yeah and i think i wouldn't necessarily say magically because it's been pretty tricky sometimes yeah um i think the key for me is because i'm um, and I, and I've listened to some of your podcast episodes, which are really great about standing out in a saturated market. Um, jewelry is as saturated as it gets, right? You can throw a rock and hit somebody making jewelry. So yeah. I think it's important to, to niche down. And for me, I chose a niche that I'm not necessarily, not that I'm not super confident in it, but I, I haven't, I'm not a trained dancer for 30 years. So what I do is I rely on dancers to tell me what they want. Because if I'm just going out making what I think, it's not necessarily gonna, gonna land with them. So sometimes your sales might not be there because you think you're making what people are gonna want or you're making what you want, but it's not necessarily what other people want. I'm sure we've all had that where we've gone to a trade show or we've had a big collection launch and you, your favorite pieces and what's sold and the one that you don't like at all, you've sold out of them, right? <laughs> so sometimes collaborating with other people um, can be really helpful that way. Oftentimes with influencers, once I choose the influencer, um, I let them pick what they want, which mm -hmm. also gives me an idea of what they think is going to speak to their audience. And not every time it's going to land, but oftentimes it does. I designed um, 
a piece last year with Anna McNulty. She's Canadian and she's a contortionist dancer, cheerleader. She does a lot of contortion-y stuff. Um, and her following is a lot younger. So we just made sure that when we designed, we designed something that spoke to her as well as to her audience. And it sold really well because she knows best what's going to go to her following. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. So true. That is so true. Like nailing down what's going to work where and customizing your products to fit that influencer's uh, uh, audience. It, it really helps. I mean, it takes, it takes a few, it, it'll take a couple of months or days to execute that campaign, but the results that you're going to get is, it's going to pay off over time. Yeah. And you have to be okay with rejection because you can have an influencer with 200,000 followers and you send them whatever you just made and they post it and your website's crickets. Mm -hmm. Some, sometimes it just doesn't land. And then sometimes you'll see an uptick, like you all of a sudden a whole bunch of sales will come in or mm -hmm. you could be emailing people saying, Hey, do you want to, do you want to wear my stuff? Hey, do you want to design with me? And you can email 50 people and nobody gets back to you. So you have to be okay with people saying no and being confident in the fact that they're just not the right fit not everybody is the right fit for you mm -hmm. um and that's okay that's okay some people are always going to think my jewelry is too expensive and that's okay they're they're not my people some people are going to think it's too cheap and that's okay they're not my people so just because an influencer has a really large following doesn't necessarily mean that your product or your service is going to resonate with who's following them. True. True. I completely agree with that. Like there's a sweet spot that you need to find that's going to work for everyone. I just have one question. So if you guys have any questions that you would like to uh, ask Tasha about influencer marketing, be sure to pop them in the comment section below. So I have one question, like before you start approaching influencers, what are some things that you got to make sure you have on point before you start reaching out? Well, first of all, I will say sometimes you need to just jump in. I think a lot of entrepreneurs get the analysis paralysis syndrome of the, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not ready or Sometimes you have to just do it and trust that you're, you're smart enough that if they do answer you back, you will figure it out. Um, so sometimes it's, you're never going to get anywhere if you don't even try. If you just keep trying to make it perfect before you do it, it's never going to be perfect and you're never going to get anywhere. So one of the things that I consider when I reach out is what direction do I, do I want to go in? So for example, I get asked a lot um, for salsa inspired jewelry now. So I thought, well, if I keep getting asked first, it was for choreographers because choreography is a natural progression. Once you finish your dance training, a lot of people become professionals and they start doing choreography. So, mm -hmm. which is why I reached out to nappy tabs because that's their area of expertise is choreography. Um, now I'm getting asked for salsa. So I'm talking with a salsa influencer right now, a very large name in the salsa community so that we can kind of um, design something around salsa. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to have my customers steer me where I want to go. Mm -hmm. Then when I reach out to them, the email I send is personal. You establish who you are and what you're offering in the first like three sentences. 
because let's be honest, most of the time, if you get an email from someone that you don't know, you're probably not going to open it. And if you do open it, you're going to read like the first two sentences. And if it's spammy, people are going to know that right away and they're just going to delete it and move on with their day. So I do a very clear two or three sentences of who I am and what I'm offering, what value I'm giving them. And then if they're going to read further, then I establish myself as an expert. So why should they trust me with their brand and their ideas versus someone else? So mm -hmm. if you can hook them in the first couple of sentences and then reinforce, you know how there's the no like and trust factor. I've heard you talk about that in your podcast episodes. Yep. Yep. So if you can hook them in the first couple of sentences and then really get them with the trust factor after that, they're going to be more likely to work with you. Cool. I love that. Yes. And I just wanted to know, like, is it important to have like a proper branding and photos and a website before you start reaching out? It definitely I'm helps. Uh, you don't have to have a lot, like a large following. I mean, my Instagram, I think I'm at like close to 5,000. That's not a lot compared to, you know, people who have hundreds of thousands. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't think the following necessarily matters, but I think you need to look professional. So if you're selling online, your store is, your website is your store. So mm -hmm. if you're walking down the street and you're looking in all the windows of the stores and one of them looks sloppy and messy, you're not going to go into that store, right? So the first thing they're going to do is if you can hook them in the first sentence, they're going to read your email. And then the first thing they're going to do is they're going to go back and check out and see who you are. So it's very important that your website and your branding be on point and align with who they are right? If they're a natural, I like camping, I'm an influencer who likes traveling, and your website has nothing to do with traveling, you're not going to be a right fit, and they're going to move on to the next person, right? True, so true. And I love that, because there's always some sort of mismatch, like, if you gotta be make you gotta sure that you guys are in the same niche. If you are not selling luxury items, you don't want to reach out to luxury influencers. Yeah. And there's no point. You're just wasting your time because the people yep. that are following them are not going to like your products anyway. So it's, it's not going to, Oh, I love that. <laughs> the purchase flew in. So, so they're, they're not going to wind up purchasing anything from you anyways, because it's not, there's going to be a bit of a disconnect there, right? You can't, you can't be speaking to everybody. If you're speaking to everybody, nobody's listening. So first you need to really focus in on who am I selling to and where are they going to be? Exactly. So, right? Like if I'm selling to dancers, where are the dancers going to be or who in the dance community do the dancers um, follow or pay attention to, right? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes really look at your influencer. Are they following that influencer because they, they like them and they want to be like them? Or are they following that influencer because they trust what they're saying and they're taking classes from them or workshops or they, they're, they have more of a trust factor because your sales are definitely going to change between the two. There's a difference between somebody who's following them just because they like their lifestyle or somebody who's going to actually trust them enough to purchase a product that they're recommending. Yep. So true. So these are all the things that you need to keep in mind. And we have a question from Sydney, uh, sorry, Sydney dessert goddess. Do you have a template on how to ask influencers for a collab? I don't, I can give you some tips. 
but I don't use a template specifically because each influencer is different. Mm -hmm. And if you're sending a copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, it's not going to land with the same person. The, the bulk of the email is going to be this, be similar what you're offering. Um, but I think we've all gotten those on our, let's say on our social media pages and I get them all the time. I get people who message me and they're like, Hey, I checked out your page and I was wondering if you'd like to be a represent our jewelry brand message us back here. And I'm like, did you really check out my page? Because <laughs> I have my own jewelry brand. Why would I? Right. So if your email is going to come across like that, like very generic, they're not going to be interested and they're going to delete it right away. So my biggest tips would be First cut the words, cut the words down. It's like when you're taking a vacation and they say, pack your suitcase and then unpack half of it because you took too many, too many shirts, which is totally true. Read your email and then cut out half of it. You don't have to get all the information across in one email. You just have to hook them a little bit to make them ask more questions. It's kind of like a, a negotiation. You don't have to lay everything out because it's too much information. So right off the start, who you are and what it is that you're offering them and word it in a way of how you're offering it to them, not what you need from them, the opportunity that you are giving them. Then once you have that hook and it's, it's, you're going to have to play around with it a little bit and see what you're comfortable with and what's getting more of a response. After you have your initial opening part of the email, that's going to make them want to read more then you establish yourself as an expert. This is what I do. These are the values of my company, which is why I think we would be a great fit because they're similar to your values. You know, I would love to design, you know, a new line with you that I think would really speak to your followers. If not, I would love to send you some pieces for you to try or, or whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. um, and then keep it very, keep it short, keep it very short. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. That was very helpful. Do you have any other helpful resources that we can find on your website or somewhere? So my website is rhythmjewelry.com. Um, I do have some blog posts that I have on there, which you might find interesting. I'm not necessarily a business coach, so I don't usually do any, you know, tutorials or downloadables um, if anyone has any questions I feel like collaborating and networking is the best way for all of us to get ahead so if you have questions after today just DM me and I will do my best to get back to you um, and then the other thing you can do too is I'm always following other people's pages not to copy but to see to find inspiration to see what other people are doing or what's working for their business. So it's always a great idea to either follow an influencer for a while, comment on their page, build up a relationship. If you're coming out of nowhere trying to sell them something versus someone that's more of a warm, they've seen you comment on their stuff before, they know that you're, you actually follow them because you enjoy what they're posting. You have a more, you have a better chance that they're going to respond to you if you've already built up that um, that relationship and then follow other brands that you like the style of what they doing. They're doing their photography, their tips. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in your niche. Like all of your content I love and I'm not doing SVG files at all, but a lot of your content applies to what I'm doing. So it's great. The more you can learn and collaborate, the better, right? Yep. 
Yep. I love that. I love that. And sometimes you need to collaborate just even if you're not getting anything out of it, just for the sake of it, just for the fun of it, just yeah. be, just stay in touch. Hope maybe in the future, something might come up and you it takes get time. Yeah. It takes time, right? Donate pieces to, I sponsor for me, they're always asking for money for, you know, it's a grants or, or whatever it happens to be for dance competitions. And I always donate pieces whenever I can, because then you see people wearing them around and then you can reuse that. You can reuse that content if you need to. Um, but it's, it's about giving to the community that you're in. And the more you do it, it takes time, but the more you do it and the more you donate and the more you show up, the more people see you and recognize you and want to trust you and work with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. That was a wonderful chat. Any final thoughts? Just go for it. Don't be, don't be scared. Go for it. I know everybody always says to me, Oh, you must've known somebody or, you know, how did you get Jennifer Lopez to have one of your pieces? You must know somebody. It's like, no, just, just email and <laughs> email and trust in the fact that you are smart enough that when, the opportunity hits, you will put the hard work in that it takes to, to get there once you get the luck, right? Yep, that's true. Consistency, hard work, and sticking to the plan. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all that gold information with us on how to work with influencers and how to grow your business using influencers. It was wonderful having you here. And uh, thanks for answering the questions and everybody can reach out to Tasha at Rhythm Jewelry. If you have further questions about influencer marketing, go give her a follow and I'll also tag you in the video. Lastly, if you're looking for a way to make extra 10K in your sleep so you can cut down your hours to spend more time with your kids, sign up for my free masterclass via the link in the description. Bye-bye.